Hi, well, thank you everyone for joining us for another one of these uh, podcasts. This is our second one. If you listen to the first one, you'll know that uh, we didn't, uh, we, we cut that one a bit short because we were starting to overrun. Uh, and there's a couple of things that are sort of hanging over from that podcast that I'll cover off now. So first off um, was that, uh, as I was trying to say before, Sam got a bit excited on one of these rants about how no one can afford any car that they like anymore, uh, was the GR86. And the reason I wanted to mention the GR86 is because if we look at it from what is available to us, a rear-wheel drive, manual gearbox, naturally aspirated petrol yeah, naturally aspirated petrol engine, no sort of electric enhancements. That probably is the last one we'll ever get. Um, and particularly for the UK, it's the last reasonably priced. I, I, should, I should probably say that it's the last reasonably priced. I'm sure Ferrari might come out with something that's naturally aspirated at some point, but it's the last thing. I think they're going to sell it at £30,000, which when you compare it off to hot hatches that are easily £35,000 today, True. I just think that, and they're only going to be able to sell it for two years in the UK, and they could have easily, this is going to be a low-volume sports car for Toyota, they could have quite easily said, it's not worth our time. Do we think the 2025 is going to stop? That manufacturers will keep talking about? I think it depends, I think the hook will be whether there is a little bit of leeway from the government to say that 2030 deadline, because the EU don't even have 2030, they have 2035 as the deadline. If there's a little bit of relaxation there because possibly different fuels come in, or, I mean, we... we so it's just us that's saying 2025. Well, no, we're saying 2030. Right. The manufacturers are now saying 2025. That's true. I was hoping it was out of time for the same, and then Boris has another one, one cheese part well, I thought I thought that might be the case. I, I was hoping it would be 2035, like the EU. In fact, uh, if you were ardently for um, staying or leaving the EU, forget about all the political views you have. We should get back in just so we can have <laughs> petrol cars for another five years. But um, my, my point was just quick, so I to jump in. Yeah, it was just going to be that we th- we both thought that the is it the M- was the M140 like we thought it was going to be the last. We thought it'd be the last rear-wheel drive manual gearbox. But then this is coming. I'm just wondering whether another one. Words. might just come along. I, I just, know there's not necessarily any that would be put out there, but I think we, the, we, we both said oh, that's going to be the last chance to own the We both wanted to buy it. Yes. Both both not, but for that reason. And then I think the key consideration, the key difference would be that um, I don't see any manufacturer bringing anything reasonably priced. That would be what I'd, I'd sort of hang this all on the word reasonably priced, if there is going to be anything like that. I mean, I don't think, because the 2025 EU, I think that'll be EU7, and from what I understand from engineers that have talked about it and a lot of people in the car press that have talked about it, it's not so much that there's really strict, that the emissions are going to come down, but you'll have to be battery assisted for some of the noise regulations, some of the city regulations. I think that's the... Ultimately, that's the issue. Yeah. Um, and I don't think a mild hybrid, but the sort of get around at the minute is you, are, you have a mild hybrid. Yeah. So you have uh, the BMW 320i today mm-hmm. yeah. is a mild hybrid. It's just got a big alternator in it. There's no electric assistance for the driving. Um, I don't think they will pass the rules 
or at least they'll be finding it very difficult to get into EU7. And that's why uh, GR, the GR86, I think, is going to be offered for two years in the UK. If you are interested in one of those, I would say as soon as your local dealer has one, it's going to come with a 2.4 litre engine, I think it's 240 horsepower, rear wheel drive. Man, yeah, so I, don't, I just don't know you're going to get that chance again. And, and maybe if you've owned loads of them before, fine, you're not yeah. so bothered. But uh, for some people who've never had one, that will be the, that will probably be the last chance to go into a dealer. Of course, you'll be able to buy stuff used, but the 370Z was like the last of that old school, and that got chopped in 2020, I think. It sounds like they won't sell it anymore. Uh, they're not bringing the replacement to, certainly not to the UK. I don't even think they're bringing it to Europe. The US will get it. Because that's it. The US's regulations are 2040. So they're, they're, there's a lot of petrol development that's going to go on for the US. I think BMW got asked this recently, someone there, and he said, if we're talking about America, we're, we're having a different discussion than if we're talking about Europe, because they're going to keep it. Which make when you think about how stressed the grid is, in a lot of countries. Oh, yeah. Nothing against electric cars. No, if you want to drive an electric car, there's some great ones out there. There's some really good yeah, hatchbacks. We're, we're going to come on to that shortly. But, yeah, um, we are. But but it's just that thing the, of... The infrastructure's not necessarily there. If we were all to go out and buy one tomorrow. And it's not even just the charge points. If they could they could chuck charge points on another country. But if we're already using 96 97% of the energy we make, it's going to have to be a real jump up. Um, so I think... That, there's a, there's a little bit going on there, but I, I thought that was really worth mentioning when I read that about Toyota, just because they've they've clearly gone in a new direction with things like the GR Yaris and the GR um, Corona will come out. I think in the UK we'll get that as well. But to make a business decision to bring a low volume sports car and say, yeah, we're only going to get two years of selling it, but we we still want to sell it. I just think that just shows as a company they're still interested in, in, in and they're still really enthusiastic. And, and yeah, maybe everything soon will be electric and maybe it will be better. But for that last sort of hurrah for them to go and do it, I thought I thought that was really good and worth and worth mentioning. Well, there you have it, folks. Some sensible car advice from the miles driven from number one for today. I'm just telling Sam to face the microphone. Oh. He's looking at me completely lost, but I'm sure he, he sounds very <laughs> quiet to all of you. I, I can see how he sounds in front oh. of me. So when I'm pointing at him, <laughs> so if, if he has been a bit quiet so far after this podcast, don't worry, he will uh, start he facing me. counting the lucky stars that I was quiet so far in yeah. the podcast. But, but yeah, some sensible car advice. And uh, Mars giving you some demands there that you should definitely go out and buy it. Yeah, it Otherwise, you... you're not true for he- petrol head. Like certain, other, <laughs> like certain other car shows with their... Alfa Romeo talk. Yes, there you go. Miles Driven says you can't be a true petrol head unless you own a GR86. Or unless you own a Toyota, which is very different. <laughs> um, okay, well, we'll move on from there. And we, we are actually going to talk about an electric car now because it's one that we both looked at and thought that is a bit of a stunner. I'm going to bring it up on my screen here so we can see it. Now, it's still a little bit of an odd shape, I'd say, compared to the hot hatches we know. But the Cupra born, so Cupra has become its own brand, oddly, that's what Volkswagen has decided. And it's essentially an ID3 with a new body on it. So you everyone knows the ID3, the door is the doors just seem stretched up a little bit because they've got that battery pack. I quite like them. If I'm if I'm yeah. honest, the ID3 I quite like as well. And I don't know if anyone's picked up on it so far. Mars is more of the uh, the technically researched chap. When it comes to cars, I 
judge them more on their looks to start with. You look and see if you like it, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, I've, I've always thought the ID3 was a quite a nice looking car. Um, and I'll be honest, I hadn't seen this one until you showed it to me um, the other day. But yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's a very nice looking yeah. car. Um, there's a couple of things that I find a bit strange about it, and it might just be that for whatever reason they've, they've marketed it and they're trying to take it off in a different direction than the ID3, which makes sense because if Sayat just said, we're releasing our own version of the ID3, unless it was cheaper than yeah. the ID3, then most people, the yeah, most people are just going to buy the ID3, wouldn't they? Yeah. Um, but this, it, it looks, as I say, the, the looks I think are cracking. I think they really have nailed it from a, from a, actually thinking of electric cars, I'm not sure there's anything I've seen. No. Um, and it, Cooper really nailed their headlight design. Yeah. As, at least, at least for stuff that is actually out, because there's some great yeah, yeah, looking concept cars. Well, yeah, but there's always very nice looking concept cars. Yes. And there's, there's some hypercars, um, what was it, the company that owned Bugatti now? I wanted to call them Rivian, but not Rivian. Rivian. So they make some pretty cool looking stuff, but yeah, we're they talking about really nice car, but um, something that they can drive anymore. No. Um, but yeah, that, we're talking way over money wise. So yeah. this this is actually um, something. I think headlight design doesn't get um, enough credit as it should. Because it really is. I think it's what on that picture we're looking at now. It's what's drawn me in most is the headlights. Yeah. Um, the face of the car, if you like. Face of the car. I, again, I heard this discussion. Uh, I can't remember which manufacturer. Someone in the styling department was interviewed, and they asked them. Why are we not getting a different look to the front of electric cars? Because they don't need the big grills and, and the shape, the general shape of what a um, ICE or combustion engine needs. But a lot of them have said, well, this is just our brand. This is how we've built the face yeah. of a car. Which and we can think of car races. Right? Yeah. And uh, if, unless you want to build spaceships that look nothing like cars and hope you can get an audience, actually, this is probably the way to get people buying. Well, they tried that. Yeah, the Leaf was a bit of a, a bit of. A, although the Nissan do do some pretty wacky. Look. Remember the Nissan Q? The first, the first Prius wasn't very pretty. It was if we're looking at the original car, one, different. Yeah, that was the um, uh, Yeah, the Nissan Q was not so very nice. But that, I mean, that was just a regular petrol car for Nissan. They just thought, oh, we'll just go and sell that. What was the car that had three seats in the front? Oh, it was a what a Fiat. Was it as a Fiat Mon Was it Multipler? Michael Schumacher. <laughs> I only one. say that because I saw one on the way here earlier. Just I've driven one of those. Some horrendous looking cars. Oh, do you world. know? I've driven one of those. If you, if you care about driving dynamics at all, then it, it probably isn't um, going to be number one on your list. But actually, if you, if you care about moving around six people in a city, they're <laughs> really good from from that side from that standpoint. I mean, I don't know how long it would last, but and they're probably twenty years old by now. So I don't know yeah. if any of them are still be on the road. Yeah, but, I'm, I'll, I'll take a slightly back seat now and let Miles actually finish his point. And we're going to end up tangenting on to the world's ugliest cars, which is a great <laughs> idea for another podcast. But um, I think the issue, the only issue I have really with the Bourne is they've they've sort of put this marketing flash across it as a hot hatch, and um, Karun Chandok had this around the track with the Cupra Leon um, on fifth gear, I think, recently. And it was 11 seconds difference. And, and that was for the hottest <laughs> one. So the prices for the Bourne are going to start at 33,735 quid. So actually, for an electric car and for something that looks sort of sporty hatch. 11 seconds. 11 seconds slower. 
That's quite bad from an electric gun. That that's not a difference between a hot hatch and no. um that's that's not too hot hatch. If if you if I said, well, someone's going to put round a track a Golf GTI versus a Hyundai i30M. Yeah. But that, you'd expect maybe a second between them. Yeah. Maybe half a second, maybe two seconds if, if you know if one wasn't maybe different gearboxes or whatever else. Um, eleven seconds is is a normal car versus a hot hatch. And to get that one, you don't pay thirty three thousand seven hundred thirty five quid. You've got to have the bigger battery, which I think boosts range a little bit. But if you're buying this, I say from the back, I'm showing a picture to some of the back. It, it does look really good. It but does. I'm still not a fan of that all in one tail light design. That they brought the, the, the long battery. strip. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it works in some cars. Yeah. It works on Porsche. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, or Porsche. Mm-hmm. But I mean, maybe I'll come around to it. But I don't. It's a nice looking car. I don't particularly like that. But I don't think it spoils the front. No, I don't think it spoils it. But yeah, it's um, it's not as nice from the back as the front, but still a nice looking car. Um. The, the the bigger issue I think for me is you've got to spend nearly forty grand to get the hottest one. Yeah. Um, and at forty grand, if you are someone in the market for a hot hatch, this isn't the car. If you're in the market for an electric car, forty thousand pounds. Well, you know, if you really really care about performance, you're getting you're on the verge of basically buying a basic. Tesla Model 3. Is there any difference in range and stuff on the body? Or is it going to be pretty much the same? I, from what I understand, there isn't going to be a lot of difference in range. There's a little bit because of aerodynamics are different. But, I'm just um, wondering why you'd necessarily go for that. Well, go for the Cupra over yeah. an ID3. Um, I, I just thought, other than the looks, which obviously doesn't, it does matter to people, but other than the looks, it's got to bring something else to the party to get the my my guess would be, and looking at it, they're gonna have two they're gonna have three different versions of it. Uh I can't remember what an ID three starts at, but I think it's around thirty-five thousand pounds. I think it's thirty-two um thousand pounds. But I would guess usually with a Sayat and with my partner's Sayat, she has a lot more kit in her Sayat yeah, than and the if, equivalent goal yeah, for the same way. If they can offer that still, then yeah. great. Because we know how the hierarchy works with Yes. So I say that's obviously you're going to get more on it. Yeah. If you pay the same price as you can yes. get the because that's the more premium version of the brand. If yeah. Like. But because the ID3 is not an ugly car. No, that's the thing. So the thing is, to me, they're both good looking cars. If, if one looked like a duck and that one looked like that, then yeah. fine. Or if it looked like it, if the VW looked like a price. Yeah. I mean, I'm giving it a, a different a different point of view. Yeah, but I'm just it, it needs to offer me something else, if you like, the, or a significant part of the difference. Yeah, which I get. Yeah, and, and I, I suppose if you are in the market, there is actually again a nice shameless plug for the website MarsDriven.com. What's that? Two, Four, three. I think I didn't get ten in the last episode, so I didn't no, you didn't. That. No. Um, but there is actually I did an article. Quite I think, think so. I think we need to get a buzzer. Every time we say it, there's some sort of ding. We'll try and yeah. put a ding somewhere on the podcast or something. Um, that 
I, I put an article on there when the ID3, shortly after it had been launched, and it was mainly asking, Volkswagen sell two very, very similar cars now. They sell the Golf yeah. and they sell the ID3. Now, aside from the fact one is generally sold in combustion or plug-in hybrid or whatever else. Yeah, and you can get an e-Golf one. So you could get an e-Golf on the Mark 7.5. And as, as far as I'm aware, you can still buy an e-Golf in the Mark 8. But I think in the UK, having looked on Volkswagen's site this morning, I couldn't find it. I, I could find a plug-in. I was going to say, because if they're going to sell an ID3 and an e-Golf, that makes no sense. That makes sense. And, I, and the e-Golf would have a lot less range. Yeah, and power because, because it's not, because it's it's not yes, exactly handling that skateboard. So the one thing with the ID3, which I'd sort of question was, are we now going to see the last Golf in the Mark 8? Because by the time the Mark 8 comes yeah, to its, possibly. would it be 2027-ish? When no, the, don't like the, latest golf. the Mark 8. Yeah. All aspects of it. Again, when your mother was shopping for her cars and we walked around Volkswagen and I told you that uh, I was there with her and I sat her in a golf. Yeah. She looked at a polo, which yes. is the one she bought. Yes, I wasn't there. You weren't there that day. And I said, I'll never sit in the golf, see what you think. Knowing that because they've taken almost all the buttons out and she's yeah. used to more traditional setup in a car. And she's This is not an old woman that is uh, incapable of doing it in. She's, she's usually... Well, it is, it is an old woman, but she's not incapable of doing it. I'm sure she'll love that on the podcast, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Jill, 60 this year. Yeah. Um, she nearly had an allergic reaction when I put her in the golf. She, well, she, she got in it and, and nearly jumped out of it. I, I'd, I'd be with her, to be honest. I'm not a fan of the whole digital dashboard. I think the biggest issue for me is if you have to adjust anything like temperature or volume whilst, while, driving. whilst driving, you want just uh, something that you can turn. Because you, you, you learn your own car, so you learn yeah. without even looking you know, where you turn yeah. it to. And you can leave your hand there and just rest it. If you're going over a bumpy road... Yeah. And your hand is just rested on that volume thing. Just turn it down. Yeah. Or, or the, the temperature controls. Like screen. I, I can kind of get it. Other than again, the Seat that we have has a touch screen. And I try and I barely use it. Like Because no. we, we, you can use the other buttons yeah. around it. There's um, something to be said for a button. Yeah, there why, really is. Why change what's been on? But yeah, so I, I get the, the Mark A Golf sort of knock on that one. But... I think the, the bigger question for me is if Volkswagen are going to go down this route of hatchbacks, ID3, they're going to have the ID4 soon, which will then sort of go up against Tiguan esque shape. I don't okay. Know, uh, or sort of, certainly sort of, so they've got the T Rock, the T Cross, Tiguan, yeah. all, all sort of all, all incrementally. Yeah. I mean, the T Cross is the one that's, doesn't make sense. Because it's the smallest, I think. The smallest? Yeah, but I mean a T Rock is a golf. Yeah, it's okay, a, but you uh, you've got a polo. But if you if you've got a T cross, why wouldn't you just get a T Rock? You can Again. have a convertible one. What, so you've T got yes. Rock. Yes. Okay. I mean I've, I know someone's got a T Rock. It's, it's a but that's a reason to So a two door T Rock. You can get a convertible one. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um no I think for me, if if the, the real question comes to if people are saying I don't want to buy a golf anymore, your traditional golf customer says I want to go fully electric, then in that case I would seriously suggest they go and have a look at this Seat. Yeah. Because this is a Seat born, it's not the greatest of names. I don't, uh, sorry, it's not a Seat, it's not a Seat. No. It is a Cupra. I didn't pick up on that either. It's a Cupra born. Missed um, a chance there. 
uh, yeah. Uh, so not the greatest thing for Bourne, but um, no, but you can see why they've done it because it's the it's one of the their first. Ones. Well, that will be the first electric car. Well, first Cupra to be all electric. Yeah, that is. so you can see why they've done it. I can see why they've done it. I mean, this may must be right out of names for tyre planning. But if it was a case that you were looking for an electric car that looks good, you don't want to go with um, Tesla because mm. you, in the top end of this, you are sort of nudging up against that price. I mean, that colour's quite nice as well. It's a great colour. It doesn't unfortunately say what it is, but it's, no, it's sort of. A, like Pacific colors. sea blue. Yeah. It doesn't really go with the gold rims. No. And uh, do you know, unfortunately, I actually quite like those wheels. Oh, yeah, but I nice. bet that color. those wheels are about 1500 quid additional. They look good with black or white body. Yeah. Maybe so. But to be fair, I think uh, anything, anything but that blue. Yeah. <laughs> anything more that chosen that colour combination for the yeah, advert is uh, very odd. But I suppose it contrasts really well. So maybe if it was a red one, you would notice so maybe that's what they're well, you're not. You're not. We got that. We got you got one on the chap. You got one on me on the last one. I'll get one on you this time. But yeah, that's they're twenty inch. I see. Yeah, they range between eighteen and twenty inch wheels. The ones in the pictures are definitely twenties, and I would say, I would say you'll probably end up paying about twelve hundred quid if maybe maybe being sat, maybe. Do we need lots of buzzers, aren't we? Yeah. Maybe being Cupra, it, it, they won't be ridiculous because if you went into a BMW dealership for those wheels, they would they would want over a thousand pounds for you. Oh, Audi. Yeah, BMW wants a thousand pounds for everything. That's true. A couple of details on this for anyone who, who is interested. As I say, I wouldn't shop. I wouldn't be shopping for it if I was in the market for a hot hatch. I think there's too many hot hatches on the market today that are better. And if I want a hot hatch, I don't necessarily desperately need an electric car. I want something that's fun. Preferably I can change gear myself, but if it's a DSG that's fine or some sort of um oh, do you remember we went to test drive Golf GTI and I had a BMW that I went to trade in and I was very straight and honest with the guy that I worked in the motor yeah. trade at the time. I knew what the car was worth. I, I just wanted very average value for it and could we do a bit of a deal on his and he said no 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 told me my car was worth half of what the worst condition going through the auction was and then sent his quite good looking, to be fair to her, daughter in to come and talk to us as if we were two young lads and would suddenly lose ourselves and all our money. This was a yeah. very, very strange. It's an interesting sales technique to pimp out your own daughter to try and sell yes. a second-hand car. But a couple of details on this. Uh, if you are interested, I'd say I probably wouldn't look at it as a hot hatch, but if you are interested in an electric car that looks good, I think you could go anywhere in that. And people would probably give you some quite nice comments. Um, oh, anyway, it's got a charging point. Anyway, it's got a charging point. Well, it, it's got so it's got two hundred and eleven. So they're they're quoting quite a lot of different figures, but it seems two hundred and eleven miles of range, with a possibility on the top ones. So the, the top end where you'd be paying just shy of forty thousand, you'll get not sixty two in six point six seconds. You get 228 brake horsepower if you want the equivalent in horsepower, um, which is 77 kilowatts if you want it in battery terms. With no, it doesn't. <laughs> it really doesn't. Do you know this was a funny thing that I lived in Australia? They give all uh, car figures in kilowatts. So even petrol, and they give everything in kilowatts. They did when I lived there. Um, reason not to move to Australia. Oh, I loved Australia. <laughs> Sam, Sam and I, have, if, if any Australians are listening, uh, don't go abusing us. I loved Australia. Sam, Sam's just... I've never been. But I just, so that's know, why he's got I such a I don't thing. wish to get bitten by 6,000 poison animals. So. <laughs> um, but range-wise, uh, they're quoting that you'll get 335 miles from 
the top end model. So that's 200, not bad. That's that's pretty good going if you can get the 335 miles. I think that's if you if you've got 30 late 30s to spend, you don't want to go with the sort of obvious pick of a Tesla, because uh, I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't personally go for a Tesla. No, I don't um, think I would either. Um, no. But uh, just interesting picking up on the 300 mile range. I mean that that's a if you can get that, that's a good advancement for me. I mean maybe that's standard now. I don't know, but that's a good advancement for me on range for battery. I mean, that's what I get out of my a full tank. Your, your petrol car. So. Oh, well, I think the, the big thing that's... There's, there's been an issue with battery cars of claimed versus that's real. real. And, and there's also the issue of when you if you drove your petrol car a little bit harder, you will get a little bit less range. Yeah. Whereas it's seen that batteries up until now, and batteries do seem to be in a lot better, but if they were driven a little bit exuberantly, you suddenly you lost a lot of range. range. Yeah. Um, so this will come with an e-boost function, which I think will run a little bit like uh, the Fiesta ST had a boost function okay. to get a little bit more power out of it, so it sort of mapped the engine. That was a petrol car, this is obviously um, batteries, but you can have a little bit of an extra shunt from the um, from, from the batteries, but for, for sort of, didn't actually give it a time frame for it. But I, I just think that's an interesting car. If you want to buy electric, you don't want to go with the, the Tesla option. You can charge now, Volkswagen, they're opening up their charging network so it's going to be tesco which i think again if you can have 300 miles range you can have not 16 and six and a half seconds and you can nip to the shops yeah get an yeah, extra 150 yeah. miles range and it's free to charge yeah. up the volkswagen's network at the minute i'm sure yeah, it won't well, how, how long is it going to be free? because don't yeah. tesla operate a free supercharging service they don't anymore i think yeah, if you exactly. are an early customer but then if right now you're in the market and you get a three-year lease deal or yeah, PCP yeah. Oh, yeah. on one of those. I mean, I'm just you... very wary of promises nowadays, yes. especially since I was discussed in the last podcast the whole diesel game. Yeah, buy it, it's the, the next generation of everything. And then, of course, the and media you have changes. To pay more yeah, to pay it, drive it. So I think if you if that's genuine mileage, uh, genuine range, sorry, six and a half seconds, I think is completely acceptable. I, I, I really, oh, yeah. having had a car that. Could do it in six and a half seconds, and then have a car could do it in sort of five seconds. Yeah. Actually, I, I I sort of tend to we, we all hear about four seconds and three seconds and two seconds. Just think, I'm never ever, even in the open roads. Yeah, you I know, don't think it's necessarily. It's something that's always spouted as well. Not to sixty is this. Yeah, but apart from the odd time that traffic lights when someone pulls up next to you and gives you the eye, when are you really? Yeah, well, a good friend of ours, uh, we spoke about in the last podcast, we mentioned him when he bought diesel, but he had yes. a, a S4. We should get him on sometime. We should. Um, but he had an S4 with launch control, as fitted as standard. And I remember when we test drove, I went with him to the dealer to on the test drive of, a, of an S4, and he did the launch because the salesman was like, oh, yeah, launch control is brilliant. He said, oh, you just press this button. Not his car. So yeah. he was quite happy to go and do the launch. Yeah. Did a launch. And it did not 60 in whatever time frame it was, and it was great. But I don't think he ever used the launch function on that car. And how clear would the road, especially in the UK, how clear would the road have to be for you to be able to actually launch not 60? Yeah. You have to have no traffic around you. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember Top Gear did a small segment on. Oh, I think it was Top Gear. It was launched on 11. Yeah. I think yes. it was a GT3, wasn't it? And yeah. They were doing it like a drive through and yeah, a few crossings yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, I think these things are all spouted by manufacturers, and they're not necessarily 
Well, they're pub facts, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. And everyone wants to have a bit of pub yeah, facts. Well, I've got this, yeah. and it's brilliant, and it does 0 to 60 in minus half a second, and you know, I got here backwards today. Like, I started <laughs> yesterday, and I got here now. But it doesn't really negate, in, uh, sorry, translate into, you know, real world use. No. At the end of and, episode, so. and just as a, as a final thing about this set before we move on, um, the, you, if you spend thirty-two thousand pounds, you're not getting three hundred and thirty miles to to a range, and you're not getting you get I think a not sixty in about eight seconds, uh, and, a not, and a range of about two hundred miles. So I think it is, to me, years a year ago, a couple of years ago, I said to people, go to the dealer if you're interested, talk about the mid spec one, yeah. and then when you sit down with them, say I want the top spec one, yeah, like we did, say when you're mum's yeah. car. And get a deal, get them to get, do a deal. I don't think they'll do it at the minute. Or just they're doing any deals for anything. Unfortunately, so. I think we'll maybe discuss that in the next podcast. Yeah. We'll do a segment on deals and dealer bashing. If what you, like what you can get, yeah. Well, Sam's talked about bashing himself. He's talked about bashing dealers. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, where are we? It's not, it's not a wanted thing. Next thing was, uh, do we think, and this is just a short question we had before the podcast was do we think people are now going to start buying saloon cars again because if we are talking about electric and we talk about the best sellers of electric so uh, tesla model 3 yeah uh, polestar's polestar polestar 2 polestar yeah. 2 is a is a saloon these are both saloon cars um the, the sort of range that is coming out from other manufacturers uh, mercedes had that the eqs i think it was that they ran 600 yes. mile in the, in the concept car of 600 yeah. range, mile mm-hmm. range. A lot of this seems to be coming out as saloons. I don't know if manufacturers are doing that because they know they can get better range from a saloon than they ever could. Maybe. Uh, but I don't know if consumers are now going to start just happily getting back into saloons. I think your company car market will always take a saloon. Yeah, because it's cost, I suppose. Yeah. Those that don't go for a pickup. Yeah. Which, again, that's a, another another thing for another day perhaps for company cars but yeah you've got the people that will go for a golf or over yeah. because they're down the bottom of the what they, that's what the chain yeah that's what there's on their their rung and the, yeah, you've got the, the, the people that get the top cars obviously but the mid-level management mid-level management where you're sort of 30 you're to 40 grand cars I think you're going into the saloon really. but I, I just can't think of a issue the problem I have is that I don't think my partner, I don't think your partner actually would have an and issue. She's got a, a saloon, a violent hatred towards saloons yeah. for some reason. I don't know, but she would have an SUV, yeah, actively would like that. Yeah, so yeah. I Des- w- despite being told that is this is just yeah. it is just a large hatchback, effectively. Yeah, I mean, if you can have a Range Rover, different story, but yeah, for, for what she'll want, which will be a crossover, if you want a tip on, which I quite like, you can get an airline, yeah, and you know, that's acceptable, but you've got to go in that or bigger to me. I mean, to, I, I'm still at the phase where I say, if you want an X5, a Range Rover, an X7, a Twareg, new Twareg, which I would put up. New Twareg. I'd put the new Twareg on the top. Just, so you, just below the Range Rover. You and I always had a bit of a difference of opinion on it, solely because I just think it's a bit overpriced. For, oh, it's, for massive, it's massively overpriced. It's, I'm not saying it's bad looking. It's a very, uh, probably nothing, nothing's better than the Range Rover that size, but it's definitely no. top of the list. Yeah. Um, but I just wonder whether manufacturers now, will, because we know they responded to that with cars for the last 10 years, just become crossovers, yeah. because that's what consumers said. Now they're launching basically just hatchbacks and saloons. Volkswagen had the ID4 come out very shortly. So they are responding a little bit to yeah. the SUVs. But I wonder if people will say, actually, I had a 4x4 
And now that I've had a saloon again, I'm going to stick with having a saloon again. I don't know what yeah. the market will do. Um, I think the problem is that the, the, the SUVs are all going to people that, you know, they drop the kids off at school. Yeah. They go for a run around town. They like the features of come with. You can get in and out of it easily, get it down, yeah. to get into a saloon. Probably not too bothered about the driving dynamic difference. No, not necessarily just saying it's just for people that are doing the school run, but it's, you know, you see most households. All the work run. You know, some people yeah, are doing most households now have yeah. got an SUV and, and other car. Yes, and if so, then you can usually see if someone's an enthusiast because there'll be a crossover of some sort on one side of the driveway, yes. and then something a little bit exciting on the other side of the driveway. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, or there'll be sort of one in the garage that you can't yeah, see. Yeah, or they'll have a, an R line two way, and something something's set. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So um, they'll always get the, the sporty-ish version of said SUV. Yeah, but then they'll have their own cars. I just. Or so to me, I think we're going to go back towards having. I mean, I know there's the Tesla Lex. That's a, a big SUV that's electric only, yeah, but then that's also moving discount. Yeah, and it's also yeah, we're probably talking out of most people's price range here. Um, yeah. So for the sort of average crossover size vehicle, I think people will may buy a saloon, but I think they will quickly transition once yeah, something a bit bigger so. comes out. But I'm not. I just. I wonder if, if they'll realise actually, you know what, what was I doing in an SUV all this time? I'm, I'm quite happy in a saloon. I don't, I'm, yeah. Um, certainly, anyone I know that's got an SUV or a crossover, yeah, won't is not interested in not having one. No, I, I, I no, and nobody I know that's got one would go back to a saloon. Yeah, and they they all say that they they prefer the usability and the ease of life they get with that, and they're happy to take them up the prices. And owning costs and everything over that, yeah, to keep the accessibility. Yeah, so yeah, I I would say we're probably not going to see a migration back towards them. But, but it'll be interesting because, of, as we know, yeah. a lot of electric cars are sort of saloons or hatchbacks. So if yeah. people, it'll be interesting to see if people just say, "No, I'll wait until you bring me a full size uh, SUV. Until yeah, then, exactly. I'll keep yeah. buying petrol um, or hybrid." Okay. I, I mean, to me, the answer is. I, I really still think a plug-in hybrid is probably the long, at least the, at least a short to mid-term answer because it, yeah. it we won't have to rely on the idea of more power generation immediately. It's not going to have such a big of a fingers, and we can, you know, you can green the grid in that time. You can yeah. you know, remove anything that's not renewable in that time and then expand it. I think we're going to yeah. do it probably a little bit in a rush, and that worries me as to whether we'll actually get to the point where, got, where someone's going to say oh we, actually we probably haven't got enough energy this winter because we've had a hard winter so people if you've got petrol cars can you fill your tanks up and take your neighbour to work or whatever yeah um, we'll start riding your bicycle yes um, but yeah I guess we'll find out no we will find out a, a, a standout again of the plug-in hybrids we make BMW X5 uh, they do a, a plug-in hybrid it's a lot of money but um, I think you can get like 50 miles on the on the plug-in, okay. and then you've got a three-liter six, a straight six. Yeah. With it, you know, I mean, it's a great engine. They put it in a load of stuff, um, but you can drive around town and, and all your short trips on electric. So, actually, I, that that, if, that might be a better answer, in, at least the short term for some people. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see how these things go. Indeed, we will. So I think you had something to say, Sam, about. Mazda, I, I, I've been I've been holding <laughs> Sam off because he knows I'm well, a big been, fan of Mazda. It's been a week since the last podcast. 
and he's managed to hold me off for how long have we been on that? 20 minutes? 35 minutes I've managed to hold you off speaking 35 minutes this. into this and it's all I've been thinking about because I did want to br- oh, I'll say briefly talk about Master but I don't want to briefly talk about Master I want to have quite a decent rant about them because I have to say in the last what we're talking now four to five years they really really upped their development in the aesthetics game really have I mean they, they've like, suddenly gone from these cars are okay the engines are quite good they're reasonably reliable decent yeah. car decent car decent car one of the best looking cars in the market it just seemed to happen overnight they bought out a whole new range of models yeah. the two three three's good I think they just bought out to six there's a six I think I saw a six uh, the other day and then you've got the CX's yeah. and all that sort of stuff Full disclosure so, on this, I did work at a Mazda dealer many years ago. So he's not biased in any no, way at all. But it was a bit of a shame for me because I worked there when they had, they didn't have this design language. And we were shown this design language, but yeah. it has come a decade later, so I would have never yeah. seen it. But I, I do agree with you. They used to sell on reliability. Yeah, and a, the company can't have the Mazda 6 and such. Yeah. It was a reasonably, look, it was an all right looking car. The inside, the interior, sorry, were. But you've got very a lot of plastic It was, but you've got a lot of spec. The big, the big but a lot of spec thing, of a lot of plastic is no, but you know, you, it's not. But say, for example, if you Bose speakers standard on a sport model, yeah, yeah. heated seats standard, all these things that in a German car you yeah, have to buy extra. True. So that was again for me one of the things that they were easy to sell for that reason. But, but I'm going to let Miles take the back seat for a minute and let you start with this. I'm going to give him the iPad to entertain him for ten minutes, and. Now, my partner owns a Mazda 2, and you know, she bought it before I met her, um, and to be fair, it's a very good-looking car. She's got it in a nice colour. It's the Sport Nav, I believe. Yeah, 1.5 Sky Active yeah. Sport Nav. So, yeah. it, you know, it's, it's, the, it's not the top of the range of the two, but it's not far off the top of the range of the two. Now, all was going well until she called me one day and said my engine management rights come on. Which, you know, all right, fine, it's it's two years old, it's still under warranty, we've got it with Master on finance, so you can take it back, see what it is. They take it back, oh, we've had a look, nothing's come up, we've cleared it, carry on. We drove to... Now, at that point, just to join me, I think at that point, you, you didn't have a problem. No, no, no problem. Exactly. Because it can happen to I, any car. Yeah, and I, I've yeah. enjoyed that car, aside from the deficiency in the power department. But, yeah. you know, that, that you, they do need to be that. driven a little bit, yeah. Um, we then took it to the Peak District, and whilst going up one of the larger hills of the journey, of which there are many, if any of you have been there, I'm sure you'll agree, the engine manual and I came back on again, and we had a sudden loss of power. At this point, I'm thinking, great, it's happened again, we're a good many miles from home. She's panicking, thinking, oh my god, the car's broken, what are we going to do? Take it back to where we were staying, turn it off. Turn it back on again the next day, it's absolutely fine. So thinking, right, okay. And I'm thinking we're still going to take this back when we get home because there's definitely something wrong. Happens again, turn it off, turn it on again, it's fine. And it happens again. It must have happened three or four times on the journey. I think I, I called Mark and I think I spoke to you about it briefly and we both agreed that we can do it there. Yeah, because we were thinking maybe maybe at the time we were thinking bad fuel. Yeah. Possibly yeah. you just got some bad fuel. Yeah, you, know, you we were, out weren't, in the we country. weren't sure. There was nothing yeah. we could check there because obviously most modern cars now it's all plug in computer stuff. And I don't computer handy with me um, but we checked all the stuff we could check and we brought it home took it back took it back again to the dealer at which point they came back and said oh well you've got a you've got a faulty injector which has been caused I can't remember the, the chain miles ago to help me so it was spark plug 
It was getting too much fuel, which burnt the spark plug and burnt the coil. Yeah. Yeah. So they replaced the injector for that one injector. They replaced that. Yeah. It basically they said it, it they run checked, too hot. Yeah. They said they checked everything else. So they took it away. Absolutely have to. Fine. Two or three months later, maybe not even that. I don't think it was even that. It came on again. So I took it. I took it back this time because previously my partner had taken it back and spoke to them myself. I took it back and asked to speak to the service manager. And I remember at the that time we had discussed it prior because I said, "Look, it's it's a Mazda. Yeah, it's it's probably just had a couple of people look at it on a Friday afternoon. They were yeah, desperate exactly. to move it on, and they thought it all would be fine. And yeah. that possibly if you just sort of speak to the service manager and say, "Look, I've got you know you work with machines." Yeah, exactly. And we were coming up towards the end of the three-year warranty on it as well. So Which I was the I wanted to get this sorted before, yeah. even if we handed the car back, I wanted to get it sorted before, so that we didn't have any issues. Now, despite the customer service being absolutely appalling, and they're not willing to give us a higher car, but we will comment more money. We will comment that that was that dealer group. It was, was yeah, the issue. Yeah, no, I, won't, we, I won't say that. Nothing whole wrong. Master. Nothing wrong with Mazda in, in, in totality there. So. It turns out that they had replaced, they hadn't replaced the injector. They said they'd replaced the injector. They hadn't replaced the injector. They'd taken it out, cleaned it, and they had changed, maybe I think they changed the spark plug, I don't think. What I, I found strange was I think we talked about it and they changed a spark plug. Yeah, a spark plug instead of the bank of spark plug. Yeah, which, which is, it, that was, that blows was pretty, my mind. At a main dealer under warranty, yeah. when, when you've had an issue, I thought that was quite surprising. But So to end that, problem with Mazda, it turns out that they wanted to replace the injector, they called Mazda head office, Mazda said no, you've got this new protocol to go through, you've got to take this out, clean this, change this, run through the computer, do these settings, and then it should clear, which in fairness it has, and it hasn't come back on since, so I will give them the dues with that. What I will not give them the dues for is that in a brand new car, whenever it rains, the car is filling up with water in the boot. Yeah. So where the spare wheel well is, there isn't a spare wheel in there because obviously it's got the um, the annoying foam stuff these days. But they still got the wheel well. That is that turned into a pond. I thought you were being. Uh, I thought you were exaggerating. And you're not known for being no, no, someone. No, no. I am straight down the line, yeah. honest, and never yeah. exaggerate but anything I, ever. No, but I really thought when you called me and said I've got a pond in the back, I've got. I thought he's exaggerating. He, he's probably got a tiny bit of water in there. <laughs> it's probably. The, the you know you go for it or you perform that show so you uh, spill a drink in there doesn't yeah that's what I thought because about the sinks were getting wet yeah they? yeah and um, yeah we took up the we took up the carpet and there was I mean we're talking six it was, inches it was filled. potentially yeah, yeah, it was, yeah it was filled which I mean, is fine because it's, got, well. it's got a rubber bung in the bottom of it and just take it out drink yeah. now we've we've had a look and we can't work out what it is we thought maybe the guttering in the car was blocked in but we haven't found it yet but it started to now fill up the boot mechanism when it rains so that when you open the boot it drains out of the locking mechanism so, so what yeah, i find amazing though is that you took it into master they were aware of the yeah they the were issue. aware of the issue with the engine they weren't aware of the issue with the water but they weren't willing to investigate it anymore. they had a look said it was fine and then yeah. left it unfortunately it is now out of warranty and which we're gonna have to do it ourselves I just, I, I thought it was strange that there wasn't a, you know, lift the boot floor. I mean, I, yeah. I can only speak for the dealer I worked at. I think it, the, that, that dealer group would have gone to more of an effort, at least have a look. But, uh, you know, each dealer to themselves. But you, you've only got to shake a car and you can hear the water moving with the oh, engine yeah, off. It's, yeah, it's um, utterly insane. And, but it was, it was more their massive progression in aesthetics and design. 
and what seems like a cataclysmic drop in standards of engineering in this coming Yeah, I have to say, the to be fair to Mazda, I don't hear anything too bad about the 3, which is the one that no, we both really like. But that's also only been for three years now. Maybe it's been out for that. Was it 2018? Maybe this it's been one. 22 hours. So no. COVID times, wasn't it? So maybe yeah. sort of 19, 20. Like 19. Yeah. So maybe yeah. they haven't the time to. Maybe they operate on a standard <laughs> two year, this car will be fine, yeah. and it just falls apart afterwards. I, I, yeah. did, I, I did. I could go on for longer, but I don't think we'll take up too much of your last time. But I think with the Mazda 2 being so popular, I think it's one of those things that it's worth people looking at. Yes, you know, if 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 you go to buy a used one, yeah. just lift the boot floor and have yeah. it because the and also if it has got an engine management manual, not saying it will definitely be that. But that's something to bear in mind. That well, even if, if it's, it's out of warranty, yeah, and it hasn't been raised with Mazda, so because Mazda, to be fair to them, they did say now it's been raised. If it happens again, you can bring it back and we will sort it and we will replace it this time. Yeah. Oh, oh. Their, their resolution, as in their, their their application to want to resolve the issue oh, yeah, from, no, from the management oh, side, wow, that's fine. and from Mazda uh, UK side, yeah. they seem to really be keen on resolving it. The problem you've got is that no matter what the answer seems to yeah. be, it doesn't fix the yeah, issue. Yeah, it doesn't fix your immediate issue. Yeah. I mean, there are a few other things with the car as well that I don't think it's worth. Well, I mean, there's, there's, there's the other stuff with everything, like the, the sensors for the lights. I don't I think the base in different hemisphere because yeah. it somewhere it rains constantly, which isn't new. Um I, I, I still think that with the two, they've I think Mazda really moved things on, they they did a lot of things right, but it's not the first time I've heard someone no. and I and I just never you know it was so bizarre to me, uh to hear there's a problem with the Mazda, and I know some people who've got the old diesel engine in Mazdas will, will be laughing and falling off their seats because they're diesels, <laughs> which were, were not the best because Mazda really never believed in them. I can yeah. say from selling them, Mazda, you as a company, just never seen that invested in diesels, and now that it's petrols, there they can shift towards where they're more enthusiastic. But to to hear an issue of something like guttering, if we were talking about a 15 year old. Um, well, yeah, you, that, that French or Italian you, you suck it up and you replace it. But when it's something that is effectively brand new and something that's not easily resolvable by us on the driver. Like the worst part was we both looked at it. Yeah. We looked in the guttering. Like, yeah, along we couldn't the top. see. We, we looked. But it, almost, it also did look like as if that had been tampered with at some point and not put Probably back together back. properly. Yeah. Um, other than that, I will say just to end on a, a lighter point with Mazda, but it is. Other than that, it's a very nice car. Yeah. I mean, it costs around £35 to fill up. And you'll get... Is it that small of a tank? Yeah. And you, but no, it must be 40 litres. No. Well, it's got, it, cost, it costs you about £35 to fill up. But she never runs it dry, I suppose. Does she? No. So it's, it's probably a 40 litre tank. But you, you get, you're getting 300 in odd miles. Yeah, yeah. Very efficient engines. It's very good yeah. on the motorway. It's very quiet. Yeah. And the interior design is quite spotty. Yeah, and, and having driven... Not many buttons, but spotty. <laughs> No, there isn't actually one. But no, I mean, for, for, for so, a basic small hatch, yeah, it's. I mean, I'd take three because it's like a I think so. When we we went and we tested, we actually had a three. Um, well, well, we were both in it. Yes, we had a run in a three, and uh, I, I I really did like the drive. But yeah, the space in the back wasn't huge, but I could sit in it. Yeah, being a six foot two. 
I must say, six foot two, Same and you size. you got in the back. I yeah. couldn't. I could have had no chance no, getting in the back. You know, the size of the jolly bean jar. <laughs> um, but in the front, I was perfectly comfortable. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think. Um, I, uh, you know, but well, Mazda won't do you any deals. Just so you know, guys. They certainly they, will not. That will come up in their salesman. Not her. Not interested. Not up for deals. Really, really not interested. Um, so the yeah. last segment um, is Sam on the internet. Oh, sorry, Sam, Sam's section. Which, technically, I've kind of taken up my time for Sam's section today. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the plan is, guys, that at the end of the podcast, I'm going to have Sam's section or Sam on the internet or whatever Mark deems that he wants to call it. Um, and that's going to be two or three things that I've pulled out from the week, whether it's something I want to complain about, like the Mazda, or something I've found on the internet. So you've just used that entire section to a rant about pretty much partner's car this time. But I'm giving Blimey. it back to you now. So okay, great. For this week only, I'm gonna we're going to scrap the rest of the section and we're going to move on to something I know Miles is quite keen to talk about and we did find on the internet, so it's part of my section, which is that Toyota are bringing back the Supra with a manual transmission, but yeah. it seems like it's only going to be for the US. I know you've been looking a little bit into that. Yeah, and I can't so, I can't find anything saying they're going to bring it to the UK. So we're going to let Marvel end with a whinge about that. Well, I started off this podcast by being very kind to Toyota's. <laughs> I thought, yes, GR86, they're bringing it here. You know, they really deserve just a, a shout out of, of saying, well done, guys. Anyone listening who's affiliated with Toyota, well done for actually doing that. If they don't bring the manual, <laughs> if there is, and as, as far as we are aware and what we've understood, there will be a manual gearbox Supra and there will be a GR. So, so there'll be a, a souped up Supra yeah, that comes GRMN. out. The Grumman. The Grumman. Yeah. Grumman version. Uh, which is odd because I thought they dropped the MN and did everything as GR. But I suppose I so, but it seems like they're. Although like maybe in the US they've stopped with them. Anyway, it doesn't maybe, matter. Maybe the Americans like the Grumman. There's, there's no way in my mind that if they have a manual Supra. They cannot bring it to the UK. I so just fast forward a few months, guys, and Mars will doing his own Sam on the internet section where he's whinging about Toyota having not driven one. No, yes, but it's just Super actually is one of the cars that I may be able to get my hands on fairly soon. Um, also, it's worth a side note that Mars has easy access to Toyota, so he will stick up for it, just yes. in case anyone's ever listening. No, no well, no, they'll, <laughs> they'll get fair. I, I drove uh, the Corolla, you did a uh, really nice car, the GR Sport, lovely car, like the look of it. My goodness me. <laughs> I was what, gonna say I thought he was going with a positive spin and I was gonna no, say that's not the phone call right. My where they think people I, I know I am very tall, but headroom was atrocious. It dipped. There was actually a dip as if there was a dip in the roof right above where my head was. I could not believe that. I couldn't fit in one of their cars, which was the crossover, the um uh, I, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter no one's gonna be buying one. Um, <laughs> I couldn't fit it, but but that car was actually a good car. It just the 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 way they had built the the Corolla interior for me didn't work, and the way the hybrid system came in and out, it sort of I, I felt a bit I felt a bit like it was yawing me forwards and backwards. I'm sure people, lots of people will have Corollas and they'll they'll give their opinion on that. But um, but Miles's expert review was the car was a good car, although not built well. And with an engine and hybrid system that doesn't work well. Other than that, it's a fantastic car. I don't think I said it wasn't was, built well. I think you'll find if you go back, you did say it's not a very well built no, no, car. No, no, no. I mean, not, <laughs> not, not sacrificing my entire relationship. <laughs> um, but no, there's no way that, you know, if someone in, in Toyota has the ability to make a decision on this, 
there is no way that for the UK market they could just completely not. I could only think if they did it, it would be for emissions. And that would be really, I think we would have to, all of us would have to get together and start a long protest outside of Westminster <laughs> yeah. as to what they're doing. Because, I think we'd have to join the queue in protests outside yeah, Westminster. Yeah, but you know what, but, but, but if we started saying to people, yeah, but you don't understand, they're not putting a manual super for sale in the UK. People would usher us through yeah. into Parliament, I think, <laughs> because that, that's got to be one of the pre- most pressing issues of the day. Um, but no, uh, I can't see if they're bringing a manual to match up, which they said they wouldn't, because it's a bit, I mean, it's BMW Toyota yeah. engine mm-hmm. built between them. Um, I don't think the Z4 is offered with a manual option, from what I understand. So it, th- there was a sort of agreement that seemed to exist that we're not going to do it, and that seemed fair enough if no one's doing it. They, yeah. they couldn't match a, a manual to the, to the power output. If they had worked that out and they've got a manual and it's only going to go to the US, that would fit. I know the US is probably a bigger market. Well, it's definitely a bigger market from size, but yeah. from density, how many people in the UK who've got I'm trying to remember what a super is, £56,000. Um, couldn't be tempted out of their money over something German, realistically, to have one last chance to have a manual six-cylinder turbo shot and a, a super at that. Okay, whatever connections it has to BMW and the Z4, but no. £56,000 being about what the old super goes for in the US as well. I don't think you can get one for £56,000. <laughs> I think you would be looking into, well, for a roving one probably. Yeah. Good one. You, I think there was one sold for a million recently um, over in the US. Well, I think the, the other issue for supers is supers are coming up to the point where Americans can import them as well. Yeah. So the Skyline have this yeah. issue that they, they always have a bump in price when they're getting to that 25-year-old, which is fine. Um, um, but I think that segues us into what I think we're going to cover next time, which was the affordable easy cars for yeah. someone looking for ten grand. So I think yeah. that's going to be a segment we start next week with. I think we might do a shorter um, podcast on the next one and just cover off what could you buy yeah, if you we'll had just, just just do a podcast. Yeah, I, I I don't know whether we'll do ten thousand or twelve thousand. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll work out the details, but I think we're, it's basically going to be a reasonably affordable. Yeah. Not necessarily just hot hatch, but enjoyable car to drive. Yeah. What is there out there? Is there anything out there? I'm of the opinion there isn't anything out there. I'm sure Matt is. No, I'll a always bit find something. I'll always, always find something. something. They'll end up in that 150 grand range over SPR. It's the problem. Any of you listening will always have this. If you're looking at a, a car online, whether you set yourself an imaginary <laughs> budget on a Saturday night, you've got nothing better to do. And you always end up looking at really ropey Bentleys that are three times the original budget that you set yourself in thinking. I'm convinced that Miles thinks we're all like that when realistically it's, it's probably, probably just, just him and a select me. few other people. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I think that's pretty much covers. That's it. So yeah. thank you everyone for listening and we will catch you in the next one. And uh, I said we'll have a little think of it, but I think we'll do budget and yeah. we'll do a short podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. let us know if you have any feedback of whether you like longer format. Um, or something a little bit shorter, and you can you can try and do a bit of a mix. Yeah, or if you are indeed listening at all. So uh, yeah, and, yeah. If you are Thanks, listening, <laughs> if you are listening, go to themilesdriven.com and check it out. Yeah, and by next week I'll have the buzzer. So yes. we can start including the buzzer. See you guys. Cheers, guys.